0: No more to solve a Namo hole at a heart to some harsh some Buddha saw. a I imagine, like me, you've all been noticing sudden energetic shifts that have happened here. Yeah. Um, what it's like to come out of silence in the same way. Yeah. To come out of silence, there have been little conversations around chores and things going on and folk have been speaking with me, but to actually be able to speak to each other how exciting it can be. <laughs>
1: you know, and
0: it can be really exciting in the sense that actually you're linking up and forming friends and community and talking with folk you know very well about the practice and feeling the fruiting of something. Yeah. So the loveliness of that. And then we've also... We're left a bit with the energetic shift and it can feel like whoa, 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 And what, because this is our life experience, what do we do with that slightly whoa, whoa, feeling and letting it settle again? You know? Whereas, oh, it just settles again.
1: You know?
0: A bit like at the beginning of the retreat with that you know, glass of mud all shaken up, it just naturally settles when we allow it to. And it can be one of the lovely things about coming into talking and then going back into silence again. You just see all what happens with conditions. And I would hope you can take the sense of positive excitement at what it's like to have Dharma friends and use it to gladden and nourish your practice. Because they're treasures, good friends are a treasure. In the Buddha's time, he said they're half of the holy life. Mm. Yeah. Now, in the circles, there's a contention about was he meaning actual people or friendship with what is lovely. In the end, it doesn't really matter you ask me, both things really bring great benefit. Mm. So, And the other big shift is this huge storm coming through and it feels like autumn's come. Mm.
1: Mm.
0: And I don't know this place, maybe in a couple of days the sun's out again and it all feels different, but suddenly there's leaves everywhere, branches everywhere. Mm. It feels so different than when I arrived into a place that was dry and you know, light. Mm. Just And so we just start to notice these movements, how things change, the kind of rhythm, the rhythm, because ourselves are in a transition with the seasons you can feel the shift in movement
1: Mm.
0: all of a sudden there are dry leaves at the door Mm. it's quite striking to me I imagine it is to all of you Mm. and what happens for us in that and in the same way in this text there's a movement we know There's an ultimate level which is here and now. And there is no past, it's just memory. And the future is imaginings. But on another level, there was this journey that was made where Pingir sets off with his friends on Bavari's prompting and where the kind of search or this great headache had led to a search, hearing that there was a possibility of medicine and they all set off. They go, the Buddha gives out particular medicine to each of them. And we in the last chapter, the epilogue, we hear of Piggya's return. So in the arc for me of our time together, there's a you know, we all set off and we arrived here. We came. There's a sense of cultivating and be being present to the teaching of the Buddha, you know, both read but even within directly your own experience. Yeah, and then we're setting off again. Like, Pia, we're going home. Mm. And what do we take with us? So, to me, this is my favourite bit of the whole thing. So, I thought to read it through again, and then just make a few comments on it. So... This is what the Master said when the 16 Brahmins came to the rock temple in Magadha to ask him to answer their questions. If you know what each question means, see what each question implies, and live in accordance with the way things are, then you will go beyond. You will cross the ocean of death and ageing and reach the other shore. These things lead to the other shore. That is why this teaching is called Parayana, the way to the beyond. There were 16 of them who came to see the Buddha at that time. There was Ajita, Tesametia, Punika, Metagyu, Dotaka, Upasiva, Nanda, Himika, Tauria, Kappa, Jatukani, the scholar, Bhadravada, Udaya, or Mogaraja, the learned, the great Pingya, the wise. These were the men who came to see the Buddha, the one of perfect action. They came to the Buddha to put their complex questions to this paragon of understanding. The Buddha answered the questions with the exactness of truth, just as things are. The Brahmins were pleased to hear the words of this wise one. And so, filled with Pleasure by the clear-sighted vision of this kinsman of the sun. They settle down to a life of purity and goodness, spent in the shelter of the precious wisdom of the Buddha. Anyone whose life accords with what the Buddha taught in these answers goes across the ocean, from here to the beyond, from this shore to the other. This is crossing the ocean this is travelling on the highest path. It is the path that leads to the other shore. That is why it is called Parayana, the way to the beyond. I will sing you the praises of the way to the beyond, said Pungir, when he returned to where the Brahmin Bavari lives on the banks of the river Godavari. It was described to us by him exactly as he saw it. And then, there isn't any reason why one like him should lie, a mammoth of knowledge and completely pure, a person without desire. When a voice has none of the glibness of pride, none of the ingrained stains of ignorance, then its words are full of sweetness and beauty. It has such words that I praise now. They call him Buddha. Enlightened, awake, dissolving darkness, with total vision and knowing the world to its ends. He has gone beyond all the states of being and becoming. He has no inner poison drives. He is the total elimination of suffering. This one, Brahman-Vivari, is the person I follow. It is like a bird that leaves the bushes of the shrubland and flies to the fruit trees of the forest. I, too, have left the bleary half-light of opinions. Like a swan, I have reached a great lake. Up till now, before, before I heard Gautama's teaching, people had always told me this. This is how it has always been, and this is how it will always be. Only the constant refrain of tradition, a breeding ground for speculation. This beam of light, Gautama, was the only one who dissolved the darkness. Gautama is a universe of wisdom and a world of understanding. A teacher whose dharma is the way things are, instant, immediate, and visible all around, eroding desire without harmful side effects, with nothing else quite like it anywhere in the world. The Pingya, said Bavari, Why then don't you spend all your time, your every moment, with Gautama, this universe of wisdom, this world of understanding, this teacher whose dharma is the way things are, instant, immediate, invisible all around, eroding desire without harmful side effects, with nothing else quite like it anywhere in the world? Brahman, sir, said Pingya, there is not... There is no moment for me, however small, that is spent away from Gautama, from this universe of wisdom, this world of understanding, this teacher whose teaching is the way things are, instant, immediate, invisible all around, eroding desire without harmful side effects, with nothing else quite like it anywhere in the world. You see, sir, said Pingyuk, With constant and careful vigilance, it is possible for me to see him with my mind as clearly as with my eyes, in night as well as day. And since I spend my nights revering him, there is not in my mind a single moment spent away from him. I cannot now move away from the teachings of Gautama. The powers of confidence and joy, of intellect and awareness hold me there. Whichever way this universe of wisdom goes, it draws me with it. Physically, I cannot move like that. My body is decaying. I am old and weak. But the driving power of purposeful thought propels me with it without break. There was a time when, writhing in the mud of the swamps, I could only drift from one stone to the next. But then I saw the Samputta, fully awake free from defilement. Then the Buddha spoke. Pingya, he said. Other people have freed themselves by the power of confidence. The Kalu, Vajravada and Alavi Gautama have all done this. You too should let that strength release you. You too will go to the further shore, beyond the draw of death. These words, sent Pingya, are the words of a person of wisdom. As I hear them, I become more confident. This one is some Buddha. He has opened the curtains and woken up. There is nothing barren there. His mind is clear and luminous. Everything accessible to knowledge is known to him, even the ultimate subtleties of Godhead. There are no more questions for the doubtful who come to him. The teacher has answered them all. Yes, I shall go there. I shall go beyond change. I shall go beyond formations. I shall go beyond comparison. There is no more doubt. You may consider this as mind released. So... I don't know what yourselves make it that, but when I hear Pingya's confidence, I can feel my own confidence aroused. You know, just that real sense that wherever we are, the, the teaching can be there with us. You know, there is nowhere we go where it is not present. So it feels as we will be, we've in fact already had to just start dispersing, but the sense that I know my own trepidation sometimes when retreats are starting to dissolve. Will the clarity the insight, the openness, what will happen? Yeah. Will I be able to stay responsive and available? And so teachings like this I find really helpful. Maybe there'll be days when four oh, yeah, it's hard to really stay upright, but that, Their teaching is always available here. And the ability of the mind, this Buddha, this Buddha quality is always there. It may get so I'm not clearly in touch with it. But in a way I know if I come into presence, rather than getting captured by thinking, I am start to be aware that there is stuff coming in through the sense doors, feel the very presence of my body. I can start to touch into this ability simply to know. When I'm on the walking path, when I'm walking anywhere, just feeling the rhythmic movement of the body, the whole body walking. There will be moments where we can be more attuned and more precise and attuned to specific aspects of it. And there are times when we just simply know we can be present walking. And what's so liberating to me about this is when we're just present with what is happening. It's happy. Yeah has a great contentment and happiness with it.
1: Mm.
0: That we can come out of the kind of proliferating mind that so captures and tortures us. Mm. It is possible to come back where we look up and we see the light in the trees.
1: Mm.
0: Or the dust smokes. In a natural environment we can attune to loveliness often more easily Mm -hmm. but of course it's everywhere just the feel of air on skin Mm -hmm. so the sense that the teaching is a way to go to the other shore beyond this experience we can be in of just being Thrown around in the great rushing rivers and seas of experience, mm. there is freedom, and my hope that is, in the last week or so, we've each of us tasted what it's like when we soften some of the ways we form our reality. Mm just this ability to soften and to cultivate friendliness for experience
1: mm.
0: how the whole world feels different
1: mm.
0: it's just these movements what it fit that wherever you are when things are getting a bit you have this capacity Just to lean back a little and feel yourself supported by the lineage of teaching we have inherited. As disciples of the Buddha. Now, some of us are happy with the kind of devotional forms and things and would identify maybe as even Buddhist. Others of us don't. It's not that identification I'm really talking about but this more direct knowing that we can actually be present to ourselves, to experience yeah. the, the forms of chanting and whatever some of us find incredibly helpful they make us happy for other people they're like wrong thing, they evoke other experiences. Yeah. So we each have our way of feeling this connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pingy. Mm-hmm. What it's like, what would it be like to have this experience that you never leave the Buddha wherever you are. That awake, compassionate, tender, reflective mind is present. Mm. Sweet. Yeah. Where is it? It's
1: this
0: thing. this quality of someone who's opened the curtains woken up there is nothing barren there the mind is clear and luminous so the tricky things of the teaching is it can seem like a negation or a denial because it's often taught in the negative but we get Hence here, through Pingya, that the actual direct experience is very different. Like I was saying with this whole idea of a nature, as an idea, it's crushing. As a direct experience, it's liberating. So the care we take that we're really... That it is not a barren experience. If it's barren, we may need to be attuning more directly. We might need to be checking out whether we have kindness for ourselves. Mm. That there's no harshness and expectation and these things that become ways we we lose our heart and our confidence. How much do you each meditate? Do you have some expectation that you're constantly failing on? Just check it out. how we're setting up our practice has it got this sense of care is it responsive has it got some voice of some exterior authority about what we should be doing Hmm? we take authority for our own practice i was talking with someone a few days back and that whole thing of how do you get yourself to the meditation cushion?
1: Hmm?
0: And when your life is really busy and you have a sense, well, you should be doing however much, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, two hours, we'll all have our own sense of what seems like a reasonable amount of practice. And life is incredibly complex and busy and you know I've heard Mm -hmm. myself, so many of us, where the very expectation of how long we should be sitting there kind of stops us going. But if we're just going for five minutes, just to pause and check in, very soon the five minutes has turned into a great deal longer. And I think, well, what's happening there? Where, Where something about the expectation and the judgment or the view has dislocated us from what it actually feels like. To just steady and calm and be present. I'm sure you've all experienced this where we have some idea about what our practice should look like and it can be hard to keep it really connected with a sense of what's for our well-being mm. Yeah, and with the sense of confidence that Pinky brings it's worth doing Mm. So, mm. how to keep our hearts connected when the rivers are running? And it may be that over the days you'll reflect on this text and maybe just remembering that mindfulness is a flood stopper.
1: Mm.
0: That, that there are tools we have, capabilities we have.
1: Mm.
0: It can get easier with it feeling hard. Mm. Yeah. So Pingyi says, the powers of confidence and joy, of intellect and awareness, hold me there. So hold him in the teachings. (coughs) And the word confidence is once again the word sadha. One of those indriya, that sense that actually it is possible. It's worth it. It brings a sense of well-being joy, so the quality of pity. Intellect, kind of mono fact, faculty, mind. Awareness, it's actually sati, it's a mindfulness. So these, these factors enable Pingya to really feel the presence of this the Buddha, you know, the awakenedness. So sometimes it can be helpful just to attune to them. This confidence we have, the joy we can feel in practice, the loveliness that meditation can have, or the loveliness of really coming into the way things are and coming out of kind of a puncture of the mind, the proliferation of the mind of being able to actually think about and engage with practice with text, Mm. with the things that nourish our practice and this quality of right mindfulness
1: Mm.
0: a mind that has the capability to be present So I'll leave this text with you to contemplate. Mm. Maybe tomorrow a few responses are possible. Let's see what you will make of it.